0: All right, we are going to continue in our series, Luke. We're actually going to continue today, and then we're going to push a pause on that and go into our Advent series starting next week. And so let me just, let me just pray for this morning. Let me ask God to be our teacher and to help us understand these scriptures. Father God, we ask that you would now come and, and be the primary communicator. Father, that you would use weak and broken things like me ...to tell about extraordinary things that you're doing. And so Lord, would you captivate our minds and our hearts today... ...and you would open them to help us understand the things that you have taught us. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, fire up your iPad, open your Bible. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 is a great text for us this morning as we enter into thanksgiving... This week is Thanksgiving. Many people in this room are going to host Thanksgiving parties. Some of us are going to Thanksgiving parties. And there are things that we're doing in preparation to host or attend some of these gatherings. We're like pulling out our good housekeeping magazines or Southern Living. Us dudes are looking at Cabela's. Like what new things could we do this Thanksgiving to host? We've been thinking about for some time now what we're going to cook We're thinking about who we're going to invite, kicking people off the list that just aren't helpful, (laughs) that aren't encouraging. And so if you've been wondering, how do you throw a great party? And how do you work through the guest list? Who do you invite? How do you invite them? Then this is a great morning because Jesus gives us a teaching about throwing a party and how to invite guests. And you think I'm making this up, but I'm not. So we'll open up Luke 14, and we'll start in verse 12. Jesus is actually at a dinner party. Maybe it's a lunch gathering. It's on the Sabbath, and he's with a bunch of Pharisees. And we know that at this point in the story, the Pharisees are not for Jesus. In Luke 11, it says the Pharisees went away scheming ways to entrap him. And so their invitation of Jesus to this gathering is a way to entrap him. And they're trying to entrap him actually by presenting a man to him at this dinner party who has dropsy. It's a medical condition in which the body is swelling with water and can cause problems to the heart and the liver. Mm and can kill a person. And there Jesus tells them, Hey, is it lawful for, for you to heal one of your sons? To care for one of your animals if they're in need on the Sabbath? And they don't really want to answer because that would... Corner them into what they believe. And so then Jesus just shows them their heart by healing this man on the very Sabbath. This is probably the fifth time he's done that. It shows them that this is how God responds to those who are in need in spite of religious obligations. And this causes this big stirring to happen at this dinner party where then Jesus gives this teaching about humility. And it's, it's really great. We're not going to go into time with that. But a humility of like, hey, when you go to a dinner party, don't take the highest seats of honor. Because you can embarrass yourself if you do that. If you sit next to the host and then someone more important than you shows up, the host has to come up to you and say, Hey, um, this seat's reserved. Can you like move it down? And then everyone watches you move down. And it's embarrassing. So Jesus says, Don't do that. Take the lowest seat at a gathering. Because if you take the lowest seat, maybe the host then would see you and say, Oh, Jim! Nancy! Get a, come, move closer! Come on up! And they would elevate you. And so take the lowest seats. Have humility when you go to these dinner parties. And then he gives them this teaching about the guest list. Chapter 14, verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, one of the Pharisees, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives. Some of you guys are like, no relatives? Sweet! (laughs) Or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid, which is the social etiquette. You invite me to your home, and then I repay you by inviting you to my home. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just when the Lord comes and restores all things, what you have done around your dinner tables will be repaid. And so Jesus is saying, don't invite those who can repay you. You scratch their back, they scratch yours. You invite them to kind of move up the social ladder. Don't do that. Invite people that cannot repay you. And then he uses classic examples of who Israel would see as the least, the last, the lost, the outcast, the unfavored by God, the disadvantaged. He says, Invite them to your dinner parties. Now, someone at the table, probably one of these Pharisees, then interjects. And you can almost picture him like raising his his wine glass, or, or maybe like raising like this big, huge, you know, turkey leg, and just saying this in verse 15 when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's like this toast, like, yes, Jesus, and and blessed are those who assumes are like us, like the Pharisees, like the well-to-do, the religious elites. Blessed are us, we, who will eat in the kingdom to come. And he pictures it like a banquet. And He's not doing this as an abstract idea. He's doing this because this is what the prophets spoke about. When you think of eternal life with God, eternal life, what comes to mind? Don't don't think of, like, puffy clouds, boredom, floating, in nothingness. The Bible gives us great pictures of what eternity with God looks like. And one of those pictures is a banquet. This comes from Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah 25, the prophet is speaking about a day, a salvation that's going to come. This is what the man is picking up on. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples... A feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Verse 8 He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It goes on, in verse 9, that you would rejoice in this is the Lord's salvation. And so when this man at the dinner party says, "And Blessed be everyone who eats at the banquet, the feast of the Lord, the kingdom to come. He's picking up on Old Testament prophets, saying when the Lord brings his salvation, it will look like a banquet. What does eternity with God look like? It looks like an awesome banquet in which there's food and drink and festivities and laughter and dancing and music and enjoyment. That's what heaven looks like. That's what his kingdom looks like. That's what he's inviting people into, which means that there's an appetite that gets to be satisfied. That's what he's picturing, that you would come to him with an appetite and that he would desire to satisfy that. That There's relationship with one another. There's just this enjoyment and this beauty that a banquet or a party or a celebration can only encapsulate. And then Jesus says this about that banquet. Okay, Pharisees, if you want to understand what it is to be people of the kingdom, I'm going to tell you what the kingdom is like. And then I'm inviting you to participate in, participate in that now. That your dinner parties would reflect kingdom parties. And so he gives this parable. Starting in verse, back in chapter 14, verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So here's a quick thing about banquets in, the first, in this first century. They're very, very expensive, and they're rare. And it takes a lot of time to prepare for them. It's not like all the preparations are made that afternoon. You have to go hunt animals You have to procure vegetables and fruits, harvest grains, make it into wheat, prepare cakes. It takes some time. And so there's two invitations to a banquet. There's the preliminary invitation of, hey, friends, I'm going to throw this great banquet for you in the future. Would you like to come? What's your RSVP? And this first group of people RSVP'd, yes. Then there's a second invitation. And that goes out when everything is now prepared. When the banquet is very, very near, he sends out his servants again and says, Now that it's ready, come. That's the second invitation that has now gone out. And so verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the, re- so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And so those who RSVP'd yes initially, when it's time for the banquet to start, are saying, Oh, man, I, I didn't know it was going to be this weekend. This is a terrible weekend. I just bought some property. I have some oxen. I've been married. And they give excuses of why they can't attend. These are terrible excuses. The first is this idea of property. This is the prospects. I have a prospect of future investment that I need to go look on, look at. Now, do you think someone has bought property they haven't seen before? Probably not. Probably not. And so why would they have to go at this point to investigate the property? That's this prospect. I I have my future in mind. I want to secure my future, and so excuse me from the banquet. The next one is, is, is possessions. I've bought some oxen. Do you think someone has bought an oxen, has bought a car without looking at it? Probably not. And can you not wait a few days to then investigate your new possessions? Yeah, probably. But this is where this person's heart is wrapped up in. I'm more excited about the things that I possess... Than going to this banquet. And the last one seems the most legitimate. Like I've been married. There's even a, a, a statute in the Old Testament law. That gives newlyweds the year off of military service. And long business endeavors. And so there may there is something that he's actually going to. say, saying I've just been married. I would like to enjoy my marriage. I would call this passions. And so I'm more passionate about maybe relationships, than I am about attending the banquet. And so everyone gives this excuse of prospect, possessions, passions. We can no longer attend. This is a huge insult to the banquet giver. And so this is what he does. He says, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So the people who RSVP'd yes in the beginning. Yeah, I want to come. Then the Lord says, It's ready. Come join me. And the way in which they have lived and been blessed by God has actually captured their heart more than the great banquet. And so that their prospects and what they possess and their own passions for this world has captured their heart so they no longer have an interest in the king. And then, then Jesus says, okay, those who have been excused, those who excused themselves, he didn't even kick them out. Those who excuse themselves will be excluded from the feast. Like, they don't want to be here? I won't make them come. But my house has to be filled. This is, this is the Lord. I want my house to be filled. I'm throwing a banquet. This banquet is going to be for his son, we'll find out. I want everyone who can attend to attend. And so he sends him first to the city. And then he fills his home with as many poor, crippled, lame people in his banquet from the city. And then there's still room. So he says, go out to the highways, go outside the city. Now, who are these people? Well, the first category, the people who receive the invitation is Israel. This is a parable. So Israel is those who receive the first invitation, Abraham people of Moses. And they were the righteous ones who kept the law, that kept the covenants, that they would enjoy the banquet. And the righteous, these, these Pharisees, these religious leaders who have tried to keep their life pure, deserving of the banquet, so to speak, will not come to the banquet if Jesus is the way. If Jesus is the way to the banquet, they want nothing to do with it. And so they reject the invitation of the Father. And so then he turns to the city, And he goes to the crippled and the outcast and the poor within the city. Who is this? I think this is a good character of the least and the last and the lost, as Luke talks about it. Within the family of Israel. So they're living in the city. But they they can't repay. the, the, The religious community would say that they're outcasts. That God does not have favor on them because look at the way that they've lit, been, been living or been, been plagued by bad health. That God's favor is not with them. And here God's saying, no, I, I love them. And so bring in all those who, think God, who who they think God has abandoned. And you have to kind of bring them in and say, no, God is for you. I know you can't repay this banquet, but come. I know you didn't receive the initial invitation, but come because the Lord loves you. And then seeing that there's more room. He brought in all the least and the last of Israel. He brings them in and says, wow, there is still more room. Go outside the city. Who is this? This is the Gentiles. This is you and me. This is the rest of the world. Go to the rest of the world who's far off. And he says, and compel them. I mean, you kind of have to convince them that the banquet's for them. But they have to come a long way. They've never heard maybe of this, of this king. They've never known of someone to extend a banquet to them. This is the reprobate living in the countryside. He says, Go and compel them, convince them, invite them, woo them to my house. My house must be filled. And so, who is is this banquet for? We opened this whole series, and this series is called Good News for Who? All People. Good news for all people, all kinds of people. Remember that the Beatitudes, when Jesus starts t- teaching the ethic of the kingdom, the very first one says, blessed are the, do you remember? The poor. Yeah, who, those, those who, have, who have nothing, who know their bankruptcy. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is what? Do you remember? The kingdom of God. Who's the banquet for? The poor, the downcast, the out those who think that God is not for them, those who cannot repay God, those who have not lived ways that are honorable to God and would just fall on his mercy and say, forgive me. And the Lord says, oh, come into my house. Come into my house. And all of those who initially RSVP'd yes, like, yeah, I'll follow you. And then it's time for the banquet to start. Say, ah, my heart has been captured by other things. Please excuse me. The master of the house says, Excused. Just be excused. And then you will be outside of the banquet. Now, some of us in this room would say, Man, I would never do that. I mean, come on. If the banquet was ready, there's no way I would make an excuse of why I wouldn't show up. I think maybe one of the closest parallels, I was thinking about this this week, one of the closest parallels I can think of is this. I often have conversations with people and I, I just say off the cuff, Man, can the Lord return already? I can't wait for the Lord to return. What does that mean? It means the Lord returns and justice is here. The Lord returns and wipes every tear. The Lord returns and the banquet begins. I just can't wait for the Lord to return as he promised. And people will give me a nod and say, yeah, just not today, today, because there are some things that I would like to do still. Like, yes, I want the Lord to return, but I would like to, and they fill in the blank, I really want to go to college first. I really want to get married first. I really want to have kids first. I really want to see grandkids first. I really want to I want to, I want to travel and see the world first. And I would just humbly ask you, are there things in your heart that you would rather do first than just receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the banquet and let it begin? Or in your heart do you say, man, there is nothing, there is nothing I've got going this afternoon that he can't interrupt. I've got nothing happening right now. I don't have to finish this message if Jesus would show up. And so for some in the room, I just want to ask this. Are are you some of the original guests on the list who have said yes, but now when we're invited to participate in the things of God, Participate in the ministry that God's got going on here on the, in the world. We say, ah, I'd love to, but, but, man, I got, I got these tickets and I can't make it. And I have this opportunity and I'm, I'm moving up the corporate ladder. I just don't have time. You know what? It's, even, it's in my family. I wish I could, but, but my family responsibilities, and we use our families as excuses. You see, the invitation is open to all people. It's good news for all people. Except those who want to excuse themselves. It's costly. You you leave that property. You leave that possessions. you, You leave behind those passions. And you choose Jesus to be supreme. To be first and foremost in your life. I think this is why Luke couples this parable with a teaching of Jesus. Jesus has several hard teachings. This is one of them. In Luke 14. In 26, Luke puts this together so that we would see this parallel. That those who came to the party, there's a cost to that. He calls it the cost of discipleship. Verse 26 If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What? (laughs) Like, I'm so, what did Jesus just say? I have to hate a bunch of people? it's, It's hyperbole. He's using exaggeration to get a point across. Is that for those of you to come to Jesus have to be willing to leave relationships that come to him. If people say, no, you either choose me or choose Jesus. They say, I I love you, but I choose the Lord first. The way I love you is a result of me loving the Lord first. And so some people would say, man, that person hates their family. Says, No, I, I choose Jesus first. Look at verse 33. He says, so, so, so therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Does that mean we just take vows of poverty and own nothing, possess nothing? No. It's that we renounce it, that this is not what defines me. This, is what not, this will not keep me from Jesus. You see, you see the connection I think that Luke's trying to make? Is those who excuse themselves said, these things of what I possess are more important than coming. These relationships that I have are more important than you, and I will not come. And Jesus says, there is a cost in the banquet. The banquet's open, and the vilest in this room are invited if you come. But it costs you something. It's the cost of discipleship, that we would bear our cross, and we would follow Jesus, that he would be first and foremost in our life. And if it came down to it, I would leave the property I just purchased, and I'd go to Jesus. I'd leave the possessions I just acquired, and I'm going to Jesus. I would be willing to put the relationships that I have behind me coming to Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's the cost of discipleship. And it's real. But the invitation is open, and we don't want to be people that make excuses of why we're not coming. Because all who make excuses will be excused. And I don't want to be excused. I want to be part of the eternal cosmic celebration of what God has done by doing these works through Jesus Christ for all who would believe in him. That They would celebrate him forever in relationship, at a party, with real appetites, being satisfied, filled with much laughter and joy forever. That's the picture we have. Now, what can we maybe pull away from this for us? Well, let's go back to the dinner parties that we're going to host soon. And perhaps the guest list is already made for this week. Maybe not. But between now and the first of the year, it's just the natural rhythm in our calendar where we host probably the most gatherings. And I would just say, as people of the kingdom... Are there others that we traditionally haven't brought around our tables that we would be willing to do that because it reflects the kingdom ethic to bring people around who can't repay you? They're not just all your buddies, all your family members, all the people that like you and you like them and you're going to bring them into your, their house and they're going to bring you into, sorry, they're going to bring you to their house and you're going to bring them into your house. Or are there people that you can truly bring around your table and bless? I just encourage you to to, to prayerfully consider that in the next six weeks. next six weeks are very strategic to bring people around. And then what do you do when people are around the dinner party? Well, I think you, you talk about the things of the kingdom in natural ways. Jesus is taking natural conversation that's happening at this dinner party, and he's turning it into spiritual conversation. And so we want to take natural conversations around these tables and turn it into spiritual conversations. And and Jesus says this. This is John chapter 20, verse 21. He says, okay, after his resurrection, he tells the disciples, as the Father has sent me, now I'm going to send you into the world. So in the parable, Jesus was the servant going out telling people the dinner party was ready and then compelling people to come. And now we are being sent in the world like that. Like Paul says, we are his ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through us. And so when we're gathered around the table, we're making appeals in word and deed. The Lord loves you. The Lord knows you. The Lord can forgive you. Open invitation to come. We're trying to compel people who want nothing to do with God to tell them about the love of God. Talk about the the greatness of God, the work of God that's been done on their behalf. And so just just think of this as like a a vision statement for the next six weeks. Oftentimes Jesus is leveraging the dinner table to invite the reprobate, the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the outcasts around a meal to talk about spiritual things. Are there some people in your life? That you can leverage the dinner table to bring them around in relationship. That they might sense, maybe for the first time, the love of God through your actions. And maybe even hear the love of God through your words. And that they too might be wanting to come into the great wedding feast. The banquet that lasts forever. So that's just a charge for many people in the room. Here's the second thing I want to ask you. Are you someone who RSVP'd yes early and your heart has grown away from the Lord and is being connected to the passions of the world? Are we in danger from all the blessings God has given us, maintaining these blessings, that we have lost our first love a bit? And if that's true for you, I just encourage you to say, okay, Lord, recapture my heart now. I don't want to try to make excuses of why I'm not following you, not listening to you, not worshiping you. Recapture my heart for you. And then, last, is, is there anyone in the room who has never responded to the invitation to come to the Lord? You didn't know that invitation was for you, it applies to you. You thought you were too far, too far gone, too distant. You've done too many things that are wrong and you just need to hear a servant, I'm a servant of the Lord, compel you to come to him. Like he is waiting, the Father is waiting to receive you through repentance and forgiveness into his family. And so we're going to conclude by singing one more song and I want this song to be that invitation for all of us. To be wooed into the family of God. And so let me just pray for us. Lord, I pray that this text would help inform us how we live as kingdom people. That our dinner parties would look like kingdom parties. That we'd be generous with people that can never repay us. And Father, I pray for my friends in this room whose heart has, has grown distant from you. And has been captured by the prospects of life, by the possessions that they have, from the passions they have. Lord, I pray that you would, you would recapture them. That you would help them see that all good, perfect gifts have come from the Father from who dwells above. That you are the object of their deepest affections. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room who has never responded to the invitation. I pray they would first and foremost know that it is for them. It is for them. No matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, the invitation to be forgiven is for them. And Father, I pray that your spirit would awaken their mind to this. And that in their heart, they would surrender their life to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen.